welcome to the casual anime roundtable discussion. We do these every once in a while, and aside from Kashten, who is always with me, we're very pleased to welcome back Ian from the Retro Anime Podcast. Welcome back, Ian. Hi, well, hi guys, how are you doing? Nice to be back again. Yeah, yeah we're well, very pleased to have you. Thank you. Yes, uh, looking forward to talking about this, so uh, take it away. Yeah. Now, for this roundtable discussion, we're picking up the Winter 2018 Madhouse production, A Place Further Than the Universe. A story about four girls going to Antarctica. And I don't know if we brought you out of your comfort zone at all with this show, because this show is relatively new and there's no flying robots in it. No, no, so a bit different to what I'd normally watch. Um, But um, it's a type of thing, actually, I do quite like, really, when I watch this stuff, so... Um, I'll explain that a bit more when we get further into the review. Yeah, it's probably nice to have one of these every once in a while to kind of. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. My, you know, my podcast is about retro. Well, both my podcasts are about retro anime, but um, you know, I do watch current shows. I tend to watch about two or three shows a season um, of a currently airing season, whilst getting some of the retro stuff in at the same time. So uh, yeah, you know, I'm uh, I do like to keep up with uh, stuff that's airing now. I'm not a complete uh, (laughs) buddy-duddy. That sounds pretty ideal, I guess. Uh, So how about you, Question? Anything positive to say about this show at all? Because all I saw from you on social media was you saying all kinds of bad stuff about this. So I'm very looking forward to picking your brains on this. Well, I couldn't get uh, invested in the story. Um, I don't know why, but because I loved the Eurocamp and uh, was looking forward to... uh, to sing the show that rivaled that one. Um, but there was just something missing. Um, I think it was such, such a slow build uh, towards the, the expedition. Yeah, I, I guess you have a point there at least. And I'm certainly going to be raving off topic, so feel free to course correct whenever. But um, anyway, I got very invested in it because personally I'm fascinated by geology and glaciology and polar exploring so i guess if you're not into any of that i can see how the early parts certainly aren't as strong as the latter parts so yeah. uh i i guess yeah. the ma- your main gripes were that it wasn't um gripping t- from the start yeah i thought the one new friend per episode was kind of well i was bored at the start and uh and it just um, uh, build up from that one. Uh, so. so I think the pacing, we've, we've 13 and only 13 episodes to play with. There's quite a bit of story to tell in there, isn't there? You've got to have the whole build up, you know, because at the beginning, I, I kind of a little bit with you there, Carsten, because while I was watching the first few episodes of this, I, all, I could think of, all I could think of was um, the Fellowship of the Ring. Um, you know, it kind of felt like, this one person was, you know, on a quest and then sort of other people joined the quest and they all went off. Um, you know, there was a bit of sort of that fantasy element about it. But... Yeah, and all, all their companions were hobbits, totally useless, I yeah, guess. Yeah, exactly, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think this is, anim- this is anime about friendship, clearly, with kind of cleverly packaged in going to explore the Antarctica, right? Yeah, but I think it's foremostly about friendship, and 
I guess you can easily get lost in the stronger scenes at the end. Um, and I guess they tried to invest a lot early on to try to build up all of these scenes that hit you one after the other when they actually get to Antarctica. Yeah, but I, I guess think... the problem is they don't spend enough time in Antarctica. No, and that's what I was the point I was alluding to. Within 13 episodes, you've got to build up the whole background to why they're kind of their reasons for going then you know an expedition like this doesn't happen overnight so there's the right amount of time but then you've got to spend a bit of time actually in the Antarctica and actually sort of resolve Shirase's story well you've got to resolve all their stories but <clears throat> ultimately you've got to resolve Shirase's story with the loss of her mother so that's quite actually quite a lot of story to pack into 13 episodes I think especially to give it enough screen time to kind of do each sort of bit of the story justice yeah so uh, let's get into the keys of success what would this show need to nail to be considered one of the greatest shows of the season um, I think there are very uh, a few very important factors and of course the girls have to be cute and likable yeah and yeah. I think uh, I don't think it's about how they start out. I think it's about how much they grow and what they end up as, which is the most important. But uh, I don't know. Did you pick out any favorites? I think none of... <laughs> Go on, Carsten. Yeah, the cook. Uh... Oh, the cook. Yeah. <laughs> She's not really part of the main cast, but yeah, sure. She's yeah. kind of cool. Oh, I kind of like uh, Hinata. Uh, kind of a hyper Genki character. Yeah, self-assured. Uh, yeah, she just and, comes uh, in her there was asserting kinda her. kind important because I think it shows the ups and downs of friendship and and uh, how easy it is to be lost in school, lost in uh, in your club. That kind of thing. Yeah, and I think that I think with all the four main characters, I think what you said, Frederick, about oh, fundamentally the show is about friendship. Um, and I, I think there's a bit, I think there's a, and then going to what you're saying, Carsten, there's a bit about growing pains and about that transition in your sort of mid to late teens from you being a kid into, um, because um, Mary, you know, she's got this point, she's just, you know, feels like her life hasn't started yet, she hasn't really done anything, and she's desperate for that. Um, Hinata with, you know, her friends at school, um, Yuzuki with, you know, she's this star, so she's never really had a childhood. Um, and then Shirase with the loss of her mother and then kind of, sort of being very alone um, with this sort of big unsolved mystery in her life. So they've all got <clears throat> sort of interesting points that makes them a little bit of a loner or, you know, creating a gap in their child, you know, some sort of hole in their childhood experience. Um, which I thought was quite good. Um, I thought it gave quite a decent um, sort of background to each character and gave them enough development to sort of come through and out of that. And them getting together, I think, kind of made sense. They're the type of people that would get together, I think. Yeah, I think it's very important that they manage to live uh, in such uh, close proximity to each other because that would probably... Um cause a lot of tension and it's very nice that they actually show how they resolve all their issues they have with each other yeah. being very confrontational and taking all of their challenges head on 
and make sure that no one is left behind because you know what happened last time someone was left behind it was uh, she yeah. his mother and she was uh, not gonna forget that anytime soon no <laughs> I think there's some really so a lot there's bits of this show I find really cheesy um I sometimes find there's just a little bit of the sort of over-sentimental music that kind of hammers the point or the emotion in a scene a bit too hard. Um, and they do stuff because, you know, as we said before we started recording, you know, at times there's like lots of crying, um, there's lots of big cheesy grins and, and whatever, but there's some really powerful moments in it. Um, I think there's a bit in episode three where Yusuke, where she, where she has friends, but they're not really her friends, and they kind of let she's got her on her phone and they um they let her down over text um you know there's like you know and i think yuzuki's in a room on her own and it's like a really heartfelt moment she's she's desperately hanging on to this because she hasn't got any friends and there's these few people that sort of are saying that they're they're friends and then they let her down and you can see how sort of heartbroken she is about it and then you can see through the series how she doesn't trust anyone to be her friend when they say they're her friend and she wants them to sign contracts and stuff yeah, like she, that. So, you know, that's that's really interesting how that builds up with her. She definitely <laughs> doesn't know what friendship means. And no. it's pretty interesting that they actually managed to condense it down to a word that uh, I think was Hinata's, like, uh, the show, I think, like, right. Yeah. Yeah. Just add right at the end of every sentence and, well, that's the indication that we're friends. Yeah. That was pretty great, I guess. Uh, let's see. I had a... Oh, go on. There was another bit as well. I quite like the scene when um, when Jin... When they're actually boarding the ship um, and Jin starts to get a bit more involved. And I think there's a scene where Jin is... She's talking to the cameras or talking to the crew and she sees uh, the other girl. But she's on the um, steps making faces at her, but she reminisces... She keeps seeing um, Takako as well, you know, to that voyage. And uh, there's some quite power and a way that's portrayed and the imagery used in that. I think, it, again, it's there's some really, really good emotional moments in this, which I really, really liked. Yeah. Yeah. And take the the plane thing where they, uh, the woman go, uh, Hinata loses her passport. Yeah. <laughs> and it's loses. kind of back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, misplaces her uh, passport, <laughs> and they're kind of going forward and backwards to uh, to find out what they're going to do with this. And she's kind of wanting to stay behind and take another plane. Yeah, but then again, the other characters don't want to let her no. because they're a team, and that's yeah. what you have to do to be in an expedition. That's right, and you can't break up the fellowship either. So, yeah. uh... <laughs> well, some of them died. Uh... <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I think this was uh, Shirase's first realization that uh, friends are probably more important than uh, yeah her actual mom that has probably been dead for over three years now. So yeah, I think that was yeah. her first realization that well, maybe when I get there, I'm not going to find anything. And it's nice that well, she realizes this now, but she doesn't really realize this now. She just kind of realizes it now, if you get what I mean. Well, you never know if she's going to be alive down in the abyss. 
Well, no, I, we're not ma watching Made in the Abyss right now, where we, where Liza <laughs> might be in the bottom of the abyss and might be alive. This is Antarctica, and this is the, this is, yeah, modern times. So there's, I think there's uh, no possible possible universe she could be in, alive in. So no, yeah. so I don't think she could ever be alive. But <clears throat> I think, given, and I think some of the cheesiness and some of the over sentimental stuff in it that I found I think it's because it's obviously aimed at a you know the young adult sort of um pre-teens pre yeah adolescent yeah. market yeah and, and I think as a <clears throat> you know as a middle-aged man it's it you know I kind of just uh, you know some of that just makes my eyes roll over and whatever but um had it been a slightly for a slightly mature audience, see, I, I wouldn't have been surprised if they actually found Taco Ko's body in the Antarctic a bit later. But I don't think you could do that with the audience. That might have been just a little bit too macabre for a, a you know for that adolescence sort of um, thing. And I think it possibly I would have. Don't think you been... could have done that to her. To no, say, because she actually came with them on the. The expedition to the um, what was it? Was it in was it yeah, the lookout the, uh, center or something? Yeah, and if they had right, found yeah. her frozen body perfectly intact there, it would have been the end of her, I think. So <laughs> I don't think they could have done that to her. Uh, but it what would do you have think been of an interesting the... route? But, yeah, um, I, I think it would be an interesting route. But as Ian says, it's uh, it's not for um, it's not for that type of crowd. Yeah. And I don't think it's this kind of sh genre either. It's about friendship. It's not not about yeah. And I yeah, I agree with that as well, Frederick. It's fundamentally about it's a coming of age, coming over your overcoming your teenage angst and making friends show absolutely. So uh, let's talk about things that could make or break this show. And Karsten, you live very far north. You live north of the Arctic Circle, so you've probably seen a lot of the Northern Lights. So uh, yeah. let's to quote the show. Is is it better than the real thing? Did the uh, Arola Astralis in this case look realistic? Uh, well, I have never seen the Aurora Astralis. Well, of course not, but you know. Um, but I've seen the Northern Lights, and yeah. uh, well, as I, as someone who sees it almost uh, six months in a row, um, for me it's overrated. But if you're a tourist, yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> if you're a tourist traveling to to my place, uh, I think you would be quite impressed and would uh, find it very attractive. Yeah. But then again, it's the thing where if you have a PlayStation Four for uh, many years and uh, someone came visit you and uh, and they only had PlayStation Two, they would be uh, overexcited for the mm. graphics and and such. <laughs> If you, if you can use that analogy. Yeah, that's a very good analogy. Yeah, yeah. So, apart from that, I guess the sea had to good, look good, and I guess the ice had to look good. Yeah. And I guess they pretty much nailed that. And I really want to taste that ice cream, where uh, it pops. I wouldn't have done that, but uh, I might <laughs> get into that later. Yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, but one thing that sucks is uh, polar nights. Oh yeah, the constant darkness. Yeah. Uh, we have maybe two hours of uh, light here in uh, 
in the winter time. Well, it's not so much better here, though. It's just a little light and then darkness to rest, so... But anyway. So, I mean, talking about the imagery, I think the animation was quite interesting because you had this kind of super realistic background and then all the characters were in this sort of very... I want to I want to use a better word, but cartoonish. Yeah, they're sort of flaps. Yeah, with this sort of permanent sheen on the outline of every character. They're a little too round and not very realistic yeah. looking, I guess, for so realistic backgrounds. Yeah, because I can understand probably trying to do something, make it look different. Um, and at first, it sat very, very odd with me the way it looked. You know, the the difference. Um, between the characters and the backgrounds, I found quite jarring to start with. Yeah, I guess you're. The... I guess you have a point there, and I guess it's also the kind of uh, a, a rational disconnect because, according to everyone, only two of the girls were like uh, good enough to be in front of the camera material. Uh, and I guess they looked a little more sleek and all of that, but mm, there's not yeah. really that much of a difference. No. <laughs> so. No, because you only get um, Mari, you know, she admits that she cuts her hair, and then they all go, oh, well, that explains your haircut then. <laughs> so. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, but let's discuss, like, the realism of this. How likely is it that anyone would let four kids go to <clears throat> Antarctica on this expedition? It would never happen. No. I know and I know I know uh the youngest person that's been to the Antarctica Antarctica is sixteen, but uh, special cases. You know, you have your family outdoors type uh, people that adventure to Mount Terrace and such. But these are people or uh, children from families that live in Tokyo or or um, protected children, we, yeah. we could say. And I realized I realize that that was my first impression too. There was no way these totally unsuited uh, girls were going to go to Antarctica. But then I realized that what the actual goal of the expedition was, it isn't this their typical pre-World War One polar explorer thing where you need to be in perfect shape and uh, camp outdoors in blizzards and that kind of thing. Uh, they're perfectly fit to do every task that they're given, except for yeah. a bit of seasickness. So there's yeah. actually no real uh, argument Danger. to them not being there, because they're perfectly yeah. safe there. And they're basically adults too, they're 17 and 16, so I guess I'm not actually against it now that I see what they actually had to do. Yeah, I mean, one of the things with me, because um, I had a point on this, was basically Mari's parents, how easily they said yes to her going um you know she kind of hid it from them and then they found out and then it was like yeah okay you can go with these three strange girls that we've never met you know all the way to antarctica with these other people that we've never met yeah yeah you go ahead um that that you know that played out a bit simplistically uh, which i guess it's probably got to to keep the story moving but um yeah that that bit wasn't very realistic i didn't think <laughs> Yeah, well, I guess I guess none of the crew was actually polar <laughs> explorer caliber because uh, no. I don't know if you know any uh, know a lot about uh, polar exploration in the early nineteenth century. No, no, not not Are very much. Are you familiar much at all. with uh, Robert Scott? 
yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with the you know the ex, the sort of those early expeditions. Yeah, because yeah. I wasn't gonna roast Tim Hard, and <laughs> <laughs> I guess he's your countryman, but uh, whatever. <laughs> because uh, he had this, uh, I guess, his mind for uh, this urge for conquest, uh, along with everyone else, and I guess he died because he was kind of silly. Yeah. Because he wanted to use horses and machines to carry their gear to the South Pole, and because he considered himself gentleman, and he drank tea, and he didn't want to use dogs, and his counterpart Amundsen did, didn't really give a fuck about that, so he just set out with a head start <laughs> and used indigenous Greenlander uh, gear, which was proven to have would work, and he used huskies and slaughtered them for food because dog will eat dog. Yeah, and it's hot chocolate instead of tea because I mean, there's no nutritional value in tea, so yeah, that was kind of stupid of him. But anyway, it's kind of beside the point. The, I think the point I was trying to make is that there was no contingency plan in either of those scenarios. No, I just hoped they would make it, and if they, they made it, they were heroes. If they didn't make it, then they died. Yeah, and here they will always have a contingency plan. So, yeah. It'll... And I think that's true, isn't it? I think that sort of thing's moved on. I think those early exploration things, if you look back in through the centuries, you know, uh, Christopher Columbus finding America, you know, they just set off on a ship. They didn't know what was on the other side of the sea. You know, God knows what they were going to find. They just set off looking for, go and find what they would find. So, uh, and I think that's a bit like with those expeditions. It was, they didn't know what's there. No one's been there before. So, well, we'll just go. We'll see what happens. Therefore, I found found that uh, Ashiras' mother's death is kind of perplexing because yeah. there is no reason for them to be outside in the blizzard. They will always have some kind of shelter they should return to if the weather gets bad, and they'll just wait there until it clears. Yeah, and for me, that was one of the biggest, probably, gaps in the story, um, was the fact that they never... Ex- I mean, I, I either missed it or it wasn't explained, but I think it wasn't explained, was that why Takako actually went outside? Well, they they were out in a team. And uh, uh, when uh, uh, the captain uh, turned around, she was just gone from her. Yeah, but, why, yeah, yeah, but she just went. That's explain, but, though. Yeah. But yeah, why did she, she go? You know, she there was no... of, yeah, she said that it was, uh, she thought she uh, missed something in the in the place. Maybe uh maybe the computer or something. Oh uh, right, okay. But, but uh, then again, the computer, uh, uh, it it just start right up after three years in. Uh... Yeah, that's right. The battery's not flat or anything. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. I, I need to get one of those. Yeah, I need to get one of those as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, just uh, minor plot holes, but. Uh... Yeah. So Frederick, you're you're raving on about uh, polar expeditions and stuff. Have yeah, you actually been on the no, polars? Uh, uh, I have not, but uh, it always fascinated me, and I've read all about them, and yeah. kind of how crazy they were early on, because you have, like, uh, Nansen, uh, our only Nobel Peace Prize, which he, not, he didn't get for polar exploring, but he was absolutely insane. He just made a wooden ship, and then... Uh, froze it to the uh, Arctic ice on the North Pole, east of it, and expected the current of the ice to carry him across the nor- Northern Pole and out on the other side, and he was going to use three years on that. And he o- almost made it, because 
or of course he ended up too far south, so he had to bail out on skis and try to reach the North Pole. But then he just had to give up because he knew he wouldn't get there. And again, no contingency plan, so he spent a year <laughs> raving around on the sheet of ice on the North Pole, trying to find people, trying to find a way to get back home, living off seals and that kind of shit. So yeah, it was just pure luck that he found anyone and was able to return home. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so now I'm gonna shock you a little bit. But if I say I've been on the Antarctica, would you okay. believe it? Have you been on Svalbard, maybe? Or yeah. Further north? Yeah, I've been, I've been there. But if I said I've been on Antarctica, oh, well, that's very interesting. Oh, I haven't. But uh, okay. my brother, my brother has been there. Um, oh, really? And uh, he was on fishing uh, vessel in uh, New Zealand. <coughs> they went fishing around there, so. I got, a lot of, I got a lot of pictures from uh, from him uh, with penguins and such. So <laughs> that was really cool. I don't think there was enough penguins in the show because there's no. so many penguins in the OP, but not enough in the show. I guess there's two instances. I guess that's one of the clever uh, transitions they put in all the Instagram posts and all of that. They yeah, made. yeah, that was pretty clever. Yeah, I mean it was all very sort of up to date. You know, it was very sort of real world um communications and stuff wasn't it so yeah do you think this is all get dated because that's the problem with cell phone technology yeah it's dated yeah. so quickly you'd know exactly which year this an anime is made <laughs> just by looking at the cell phones yeah and uh, uh when do you think um this is uh supposed to be this is modern day this is right yeah. now yeah, this would have happened like this year sort of thing, wouldn't it? But then again, um, uh, Kimari had a PlayStation 1 that she had for three years. <laughs> That's probably just uh, an oversight. Yeah, I don't know. yeah, probably, but uh, it's just got my head wondering uh, what kind of timeline it, it was. But uh, yeah. I mean, I would guess that there was an art an Antarctic expedition set out from Japan uh, just before the source material from this mm. for the show was written because everything was so well researched. I went yeah. on Google Maps and I checked out all the locations they were, and it all matched up. And it was the icebreaker was real. Everything was real. So <clears throat> they yeah. certainly had the source material well researched. Yeah. I mean, I have to say, I felt that the the actual expedition and all the kit and what they actually the tasks they did and how they did it how the base camps were set up the problems with the snow cats and life on board the icebreaker and everything else i thought that all felt very very realistic um, and i didn't doubt that they were kind of exaggerating or making that up as they went along with that at all i i, I agree i it feels like a very very well researched show Definitely, and they even nailed uh, like the correct geology. Like uh, mm. they even nailed the, the correct type of uh, uh, rock formations and uh, what kind of uh, um, or or how the the ice would move according to everything else too. They, they yeah. nailed all of that. Yeah, because it was things like the satellite markers and you know all that sort of stuff. I mean. The, the detail in the background animation for all that I thought was really, really good. Um, you know, it really 
captured and portrayed all that stuff really, really well. Um, as I say, it's just the character animation I found a bit odd. Yeah. Um, it was just very, it was just so different to the backgrounds. Um, but I have a, I have a, an, a nitpicky point. Uh, when they were um, casting Lowe's, or uh, I don't know how we call it in English, but uh, there are three guys uh, throwing their ropes from the boat, uh, from, yeah. the, uh, from the dock. And uh, I do that every day on work. And we're, uh, I, I do it alone. And there are three persons doing it. Uh, it's, it's just me because it's my work, but I uh, felt a little uh, lost there. Where, was it from the boat or uh, from the uh, No, pier? from the dock. From okay, the dock. so... And the kind of formation of the ropes going uh, going front and back was kind of wrong too. They probably uh, researched yeah. that part though. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I'm, I'm just I'm just trying to find things to uh, to take it on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would guess that everyone on this expedition were all happy amateurs. That just certainly how it looked to me because yeah. yeah. They were just a bunch of people that were enthusiastic about uh, Antarctica, and they were fed up with people telling them, "No, you can't go there. Um, it's too dangerous. You just you'll fail because you're uh, you're not state-funded." Um, yeah. Yeah. What should we call it? And uh, a couple of them had regular jobs as well. The cook was uh, a lunch lady at school. Yeah. And such. Yeah. But I've been that's, there before. So. I guess that's certainly what you need, right? To keep uh, to keep order and uh, that kind of environment. You want someone who's used to chaos. Yeah. And I think them scraping the the way they kind of scrimped and saved and you know the realistic of the, the depiction of how they were on a budget and all that. So I thought that was quite good. That that really kind kind of made the world feel quite real. I thought, um, you know, all that kind of detail and and how it affected. You know, the girls kind of had this sort of idealised. Oh, they'd be doing this. There'd be lots of food and whatever. They take all this stuff. It'll be really nice. And then they, you know, they get into the the real world with it. And the you know, all these constraints, all these limitations, all these sort of cutbacks on what they're doing and what they're taking and what they can and can't do. And well can't take and eat and all the rest of it um i thought that was really good as well I, that that felt quite real i thought there was quite a lot of whiskey and beer though that was uh it's there probably just to keep, of, keep the yeah. morale up though so it's probably <laughs> a smart move <laughs> just invest a little into uh alcohol and you can keep the crew happy yeah because there was there was one bit of it and again you know given that it's aimed at like an adolescence market it was um the bit where I think they're all getting on the boat for the first time and um, Jin's friend, the other girl, um, whose name I can't remember, I want to say Megumi, but that's, what's her name's friend? Um, yeah, that's the glasses friend. Uh, yeah. Um, was it you, Yumi? Yumiko, I think her name is. I'm not sure. Oh, Yumiko, yeah. Um, and she's going, um, these oh, girls are all bored. And she's going, they're not legal, they're not legal. You know, that bit was a bit like, uh, okay. Well, I, I have to tell one thing. Uh, that was the only part of the show where I laughed. 
<laughs> because it was kind of a hilarious moment. It was. I have to admit, it made me laugh as well because yeah. I was like, it's like, well, actually, again, I can imagine that. I can imagine that kind of happening as well because they were kind of a, a, a male orientated crew and that, weren't they? So, um, yeah, it did that made me chuckle that bit. Well, all the head uh, officers were women, though. And yeah, was that for the earlier expedition too? Like the captain and all the other positions were heavily uh, female dominated. So uh, yeah, yeah. I feel very um, uh, that the show was very educational because I mm-hmm. I, I kind of learned a lot of things that I didn't already knew about. Uh, well. Um, can't remember off the top of my head, but <laughs> yeah, all uh, the things about uh, the ice and uh, how the air bubbles would be would have been ten thousand years old and all, all of that kind of yeah. things. But uh, just sub, sub, subtle detail. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think there was some subtle detail there that was actually quite educational. I still wouldn't have been drinking uh, glacial <laughs> water, I think, because you know. It, it erodes the ground and it pulls up all kinds of uh, rock and in that rock there's going to be minerals there's going to be metals and that bacteria. melts it's going to no there's not going to be bacteria no. but it's going to okay. be minerals and that kind of thing and that's probably going to be toxic there's probably going to be some toxic minerals in that so i don't think that's good for you that's why um meltwater from glaciers are like lighter blue than uh, you you'd expect because there's so much minerals in it Oh, right, okay, I didn't know that. So it was kind of a surprise, but maybe they know something I don't, or maybe it's been... the ice has been stagnant so long that it's completely safe, I wouldn't know. But yeah. and, that's just, and that's it, just always what I learned. And and the currents was kind of educational too, because uh, I really didn't know that, or I, I knew in kind of way, but that the... Uh, continent formation was so important for the currents to that there was a kind of belt around uh, Antarctica <clears throat> windy yeah I didn't know that either yeah I have to say I learned, learned quite a bit of that sort of stuff from this show I have to say so Kasten did you react at all when they said a Norwegian name on the show yeah Rundvogshetta <laughs> That was pretty interesting, and it's probably one of those uh, glacial formations where the ice is just um, just made of giant hill, and it just looks like uh, the back of a whale surfacing. So I think that's the point they were making, and it's probably a real place too. I didn't actually check it up, but it would make yeah. sense. It's, There's uh, a lot of Norwegian names in Antarctica. It was an expedition led by uh, Lars Christensen. That's nice. Currents or old? Uh, 1927. Yeah, that would be the time. Oh, okay. I kind of felt bad for Japan, though, when they said that uh, this place was the only place they were permitted <laughs> to land. Because it was kind of a detour for them. They had to... I think the, their closest bit of land was Africa or something, so... Yeah, that's, that's pretty harsh. Kind of, it's but it's, it's kind because of, of the, uh, the Second World War. Yeah. So... I would expect that they were exploring before that too, right? Whaling in the in in that part of the world, or maybe not. I think they maybe whaled up to Alaska. 
But uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess. I guess it was just basically uh, Norway and Great Britain who were in the arms race for the poles and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. What do you think about uh, I, I guess some of the girls have more synergy than the others. Because you, after a while you kind of get the feeling that you already know what a for example, a Hinata and a, a, a Mari scene will look like, and what a Yuzu and Shiraz yeah. is going to look yeah. like. Yeah, yeah. I think that after about, well, I think once the fellowship's been formed, um, once you get to about episode five or six, I think that bit, yeah, by the midpoint of the series, I think you're spot on. I think you you know exactly how scenes within each, involving each of the characters, is going to play out. I was slightly surprised though that uh, Shiraz say, made the bold move to just say fuck off to the uh, <laughs> girls who wanted to uh, <laughs> reconnect with Hinata. That was kind of surprising. Usually yeah. you go for the more reconciliate yeah. uh, option, but uh, it kind of went with the in your face uh, quotes that yeah. they uh, shouted out when they first came to Antarctica. So. I had no problems with it at all. No, I didn't either. I thought that was actually quite a refreshing change to how, like you say, you'd expect a scene like that to normally play out. But I thought that was probably quite fitting with she's fought against people for years, you know. Um, so uh, that, and she doesn't sort of suffer fools gladly or, you know, friendship is important to her and that. So um, that I think was actually probably kind of fitting with her character. It didn't feel out of character at all for her. No, and uh, they were just trying to uh, grab onto the popularity Hinata had uh, received. And, um, well, that's the worst kind of people. They stab you in the back, and then uh, when you get popular or win the lottery, they can't come back uh, expecting gifts or hugs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, they did go to quite a length to try to contact her, though. Uh, I'll, I'll give them that. They're not totally bad people, but... Uh... I guess it's a little too late. Yeah, and there's kind of a backstory too, because uh, they were trying. Hinata was a very uh, uh, fast uh, track runner or something. Yes, mm, that's um, right. And uh, and they were trying to get the three-year-olds, uh, high schoolers, uh, to uh, to run because that was the last chance for them to gain some glory. And uh, you could kind of see it from their point of view. No, but that's, then again, a stupid, it's, it's... that's a stupid concept. You, you, yeah. If you're better yeah, than yeah. them, just go for it. Yeah, but you could see it. You're that not supposed those... to sew uh, pillows under anyone's uh, <laughs> anyone's uh, shoulders, at least not at that age. I mean, no. you can't make it at that point. I guess you're just gone. Well, yeah. in Norway, I think uh, they kind of do because uh, they have all these rules for children or youth. But uh, yeah. Yeah, but not not in that age class, I guess. Yeah, I think meritocracy has to win in that age class, or else I think there's something wrong. Yeah. Because I think with with all of that as well, I think the um, the story with Megumi and Mari, um, you know, and the jealousy, you know, M Mari, um, well, Megumi was like the big sister. You know, and she was always the one a little bit in front. And then Mari sort of had this thing, became independent, 
didn't need her anymore and that jealousy um with it and you know then she started spreading the rumors and and how that all played out i thought was quite good and then especially with the ending where actually nagumi was in the north pole or in the arctic um you know i thought that actually was quite um that was a good you know sort of subplot to the you know build up and you know sort of definition of the friendships and stuff as well I think they utilize the uh, modern technology, like uh, what you re- would recognize very well, like left on read. That's pretty powerful nowadays. Yeah. And especially how all of the emails ticked in, and you just saw how many emails she had sent her mother. Yeah. And how yeah. long she would, was actually living in the hope that uh, she was reading all of them. Yeah. That's I, right. I, I, I was just thinking spam all the time. <laughs> oh, well. I think that was the. By far the most powerful uh, moment of yeah. the series. You see, and I think that's there's little bits like that in the series that I think really elevate it beyond. I mean, it could have been a very, very average, just run of the mill girls on an adventure, making friends, dealing with teenage life or transition to adulthood and all of that. And I think those like that bit I said with Yuzuki in episode three when her friends kind of dump her and scenes like that and um, other little bits with Jin and Shirasei as well. I think there's, there's, you know, probably 20 or so little moments like that through the series that just really, really just elevate it a little bit, I think. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think the kind of the trip to do, uh, the first trip... Uh she tries to do to Tokyo kind of seals it for me because uh, it's kind of the same thing I uh, went through kind of uh, uh, wouldn't dare to to go uh, out of my way to to go on a journey or or something like that yeah and uh, and then you just need to to find some friends to help you get all, uh, get along your way yeah I think she explains herself that she's afraid of of failure, or what what is gonna if she's not gonna make it, or what would happen if she didn't make it, or all of those things. And it's so good that by the end of the series, they're all for very good friends, but they're also for individuals that could be able to cope with this and the world uh, once that once they go their separate ways now. So yeah. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's spot on. That is. They've uh, at least definitely grown a lot. So, I mean, how did you how did you feel the series ended? Uh well, it ended exactly where it started, right? Back in her bedroom, yeah. lying on the bed. Yeah. Uh, well, I think the whole, the, I mean, it's sort of re- like the whole resolution in in Antarctica, because <clears throat> as we said, it, there's a lot of story to fit in within. Um, those 13 episodes and the the Antarctic bit was kind of condensed because it got the, the shortest run of episodes um, and I think it kind of closed out Shirase's loop but I, I found that the sort of second half of the final episode kind of rushed through things through a, a bit quickly up, up to the end credits because then you got the post credits sort of epilogue yeah, I don't think they needed to go back in uh, the last episode. 
I think they could have just stayed there for the last episode and that would have been fine because mm. we already had the climax of the second to last episode where everyone broke down crying and now that uh, Shirase <laughs> finally has accepted or come yeah. to an acceptance and left she even left all her money that she uh, yeah, that's right. made yeah. to get there she, she just left it at the North Pole so she's definitely over it now in, in a way yeah and the whole, um, you know, the bit where, you know, Takako's final words were, it's beautiful. And they they saw the Aurora on the boat and everything. Uh, you know, it closed it closed things out quite well. But I think it kind of, it, it felt like it just needed to then, it got to a point where it needed to rush through closing all these little loose ends out a bit through the, through the final half of the last episode. Yeah. Yeah. Uh- well, I definitely didn't like her last words over the walkie-talkie. I thought that was kind of weird <laughs> yeah, that she would say creepy. that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was wondering if she was having one of those uh, freeze-to-death moments where it's common yeah, uh, yeah. when you freeze to death that you think you're actually warm, so you find a lot of people as frozen to death has taken yeah, off all their clothes their because clothes they believe stuff. they're... Yeah. So I don't know if that was what they were alluding to or if she actually just thought it was beautiful outside, so... Yeah, but then again, if she had the the radio all the time, why didn't she contact her before? Uh, (laughs) It was bad uh, signal, I think. Yeah, I don't think so. (coughs) And anyway, it's weird that she doesn't say so something. (laughs) Yeah. Final, some final words to her daughter or something. Yeah, yeah. I I thought that. I thought that was pretty weird. Uh, yeah, well, I think we were coming to the aftermath of things and where we ended up, yeah. and, uh, Shirase gets the classic coming-of-age haircuts where... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it looked any better, but, uh, I think it just I'd... made her look younger. Yeah. Well, I got the feeling it was meant to make her look more like Takako. Yes. I think that was the, that was the point of it, wasn't it? Because when she came out and June and Yumi saw her. Um, you know, they were kind of a bit taken aback at actually they you know, they could just see Takako, you know, uh, like that she was standing in front of them almost. But she's not like Takako at all, she's more like no. Jin and that's yeah. kinda of what uh I find that kinda of weird though, because uh it's clear that uh uh her mother was trying to push those two together for the longest time even though yeah, it made both of them uncomfortable, but I guess it finally paid off. Yeah, and I think that again, I think that's another bit of character development that I found quite interesting, and I thought was really well realised. Um, that Jin was this kind of cold character, but you know she's a. But really, there is a warm person inside, and it it just needed kind of prizing. It's you know slowly got prized out of her. Um, and that that I thought was quite well done. And there was these, you know, there was slow little chinks in the armor that opened up as she spent more time. And as as the expedition went on, you know, and her resistance, I think one of the early episodes when they were trying to go to Tokyo to try and get on the expedition, and and Jin was very much like what she doing here, you know. There was that real resistance from her, and and very slowly. Um, 
she could understand why she was doing it, and I think she didn't want to be reminded of what had happened. So she was pushing her away, but you know, slowly warmed to her, and uh, that that I think you know, I think that was a really good bit of character development, um, really good bit of character writing with those two. I enjoyed that bit. Yeah. Uh, question. You think? Yeah. Well. <clears throat> yeah. I. Uh, you think? I uh, divulge into to motherhood and such. Do you uh, think yeah. there's any good role models for the children? Because there's kind of like in an awkward situation a few of them. Because one is an idol, and uh, there's clearly some uh, guys well, on the boat that's uh, very big fans <laughs> of her. Mm. Yeah, and it's kind of a stereotypical thing to do in Japan, where they have lots of uh, older men idolizing yeah. the idols. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a classic uh, trope, you could say. I yeah, guess it was oh, totally is... appropriate in this case, though. There was nothing nefarious happening. No, no that's it, right. She was just a singer, and uh, and the only streamer. love affair was uh, that desperate uh, younger-looking guy trying to hook up with uh, the captain. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, how 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 can you describe a man who's in the clouds or like a cloud? Oh yeah, that was. Uh... It was kind of deep. I don't know uh, what she actually said, but uh, I think she wanted the man that is uh, difficult Free. to define, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm and probably the, uh, probably a lot taller of... than that guy. <laughs> yeah, and he, he seemed a little bland or regular too. Yeah, I, I think, think that... she maybe could have used some uh, uh, adventurous type. Uh, yeah, I think that was kind Drake, of the point uh, that she would, was going to be totally inaccessible and uh, way above her his weight class. So yeah, and it was kind of hilarious the the thing where the idol uh, Yusuke she needed um, a friendship contract to make it real. Yeah. <laughs> It's just, uh... and that led to even more tears because uh, <coughs> I kind of offended uh, Mari because she couldn't yeah. understand why anyone would ever need a contract to decide if they were friends or not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think we're uh, we've covered a lot. So, uh, do you have any uh, scores you want to give me? I want to hear them. Seven. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I'd say it's a seven. Yeah, seven. I, I have to say, this isn't... I don't normally watch stuff like this. I mean, on the initial precept, you know, with the girls and all the rest of it, it doesn't... But actually, I do enjoy um, slice-of-life anime. You know, it's one of those things that I do really, really enjoy. And some of it often gets mixed in with sort of... It turns into a sort of harem anime, which I don't enjoy. I find that stuff really tedious. But... Um, these kind of sort of real character-driven stories, I actually did enjoy, and I enjoyed this a lot more than I expected it to. You know, I was expecting to think this was going to be really mediocre, and I'd be bored after a few episodes, and <laughs> like forcing my way through it so that I could talk about how bad it was on this podcast. Um, but actually, after the first episode, I really enjoyed the first episode. It kind of it got me engaged, and then it kind of built, and like I say, some of the emotional development and the growth of the characters and 
you know, the realism in the expedition and, and all the interactions. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a generally, a, you know, a, a decent show. Um, yeah. And I, I, I can't decide whether it's an eight. I think it's, I found it a bit too cheesy in places um, to, to warrant an eight, but yeah, it's a seven. I mean, I would recommend people to watch this. I, I think this, for 13 episodes of good character development and an engage, reasonably engaging story um, that doesn't look too bad uh, once you get used to the art style. Yeah, I, you know, it's a seven. It's a recommendation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was... Have you watched uh, Eurocamp? No, yeah. I never. No, I didn't watch Eurocamp. No. Well, I that's, think you can. That's the more light-hearted version of this, I think. Yeah. And it's, uh, I think that was uh, much better. It's this with no end goal and a little more ditzy characters, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I think they set out to achieve different things, though. And uh, I was a really big fan of this show, and especially after the ending. But then I had to go back and critically look at how it started because I was going to give it a really high score. Uh, but then I realized that the dialogue isn't that good, the first episodes and. So I kind of land on an 8 or a 9 myself, so it's kind of like, uh, I think I'm a grade or two above you, to, you two guys, but that's yeah. probably to be expected. Yeah. yeah, because you like Polar Expedition or something and such. And it's uh, got a really high score on uh, my anime list, 8.61. Yeah, yeah, and if you look at the episode scores on Anime's News Network's um, episode reviews, I mean, it generally gets 4.5 out of 5. For every episode that sort of level um yeah. you know so it's very very well received and i can understand why um you know I, I think i don't think it does i don't think it particularly does anything wrong if i'm honest um there's some things it does better than others in it but i, I don't fundamentally it doesn't actually make any mistakes or do anything badly yeah definitely so uh with that out of the way i think we're pretty much at way's end uh you want to plug your podcasts and various uh yeah yeah thank you yeah so uh you can find my podcast retro anime podcast and retro mecha podcast you can find both of them on most uh podcast hosting services itunes soundcloud um tune in podcast addicts uh we've got it on spotify now uh so you know, most most places that host podcasts, you can find it just by searching for Retro Anime Podcast or Retro Mecha Podcast. We have a website, retroanimepodcast.com. We have a blog for the Mecha one, retromechapodcast.wordpress.com. So, yeah, that's where you can find us. And you can find us on Twitter, actually, um, either at RetroAnime or at RetroMecha. And, uh, Kashman, can you do ours? Because I always forget. Yeah, we're a Casual Anime Podcast. You can find us on SoundCloud and Twitter at Casual Anime Pod. Um, every uh, podcast app you could uh, have, we're on it. So, and um, we have a Gmail. I don't know, uh, G- uh, Casual Anime Podcast at Gmail dot com. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it was very great to have you, Ian, and we. No. Hope you'll uh, agree to come on sometime in the future. Yeah, too, definitely. So. Yeah, yeah. No, thanks for having me on again. It's great to have these discussions with you guys. Um, yeah, it's good to have a, a bit of a different perspective. You know, I do kind of get bogged down in my uh, old stuff. So I think it's good to come and talk about some of the new stuff sometimes as well. So, uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for inviting me on again.
yeah, it was great. Okay, everyone, uh, we'll talk to you later. Goodbye. Yeah, yeah. goodbye.